Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 133. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And once again, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who has written a review or left a rating for the podcast those rating and reviews just keep rolling on in and it makes me so happy. I love hearing just any feedback about the show. (laughs) Really, it means so much to me. Uh, But again, those reviews also just really help other people to find the show. And that means the world to me so that anybody who, you know, could benefit from listening to this podcast is able to find it a little more easy. I appreciate it so much. If you would take a moment to, you know, leave a few kind words if you have the time or just tap that five star. It really does make all the difference. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for all the feedback I got on last week's episode, my hot topics, talking about all about IEPs. I actually heard from several new listeners and it was funny because, you know, I think we're all kind of gearing up for like end of the year coming up and a lot of people have IEPs. I know we do. We're preparing for that. So it seemed like that was good timing for that episode. And I just got a lot of really great feedback. So I appreciate that so much. The hot topics seem hot. Everyone (laughs) seems to be digging the hot topics. I keep getting suggestions for new topics. So again, if there's something that you would like to hear about that you feel, you know, is an important topic that deserves its own episode, send it my way. More will be coming. And today's episode, I'm super excited about this one. My guest is Haley Augusta. And I've said it before, but the world is very small. And it was funny because Haley and I connected on Instagram. She had sent me a message about how she was a fan of the show and she was starting her own podcast. And I was super excited to hear from her. And I I love her podcast. It's called No Sex in the Suburbs, which I will let her kind of explain all about that. But that title just makes me giggle. I love it. Um, But it was so funny because Haley had just reached out to me and like that same week, my good friend, Mary Susan McConnell, who you probably know from the Mama Bear podcast, and she's been a guest on this show twice now, she had put out an episode sharing some of her coaching clients. If you listen to that most recent episode she was on, Mary Susan has this like amazing coaching business now where she just helps like mentor other moms uh, on all different paths. But basically anybody, you know, who has a child with special needs, if there's a project you're working on or you're looking for, you know, ways to get creative. And it turns out Haley was one of her coaching clients. So we talked with that a little bit on the episode, but it was just so funny in such a small world because I had just connected with Haley And then, like I said, that week on Mary Susan's episode, she was talking about these awesome coaching clients that she had that a few of them went on to start their own podcast. And one of them is Haley. So Haley is good people. And honestly, it was so much fun getting to chat with her. So I actually was a guest on her show. We recorded both of our shows back to back. My episode on her podcast will be coming out next month in April for Autism Awareness Month. So stay tuned for that one. I will definitely share when that's coming. But it was just so much fun, especially because we recorded our episodes back to back. I mean, we were on the phone for a while with each other. And honestly, by the end, I just felt like we were old friends. Like we were just chit-chatting and laughing and having just the best time. And I really think that comes through on this episode. Haley is just like so real and honest. And one of the things that she said that really stuck out with me, and that was why I named the episode what I did, is she talks about how, you know, parents early on in in this whole process when you're, you know, just seeking a diagnosis or right after you have the diagnosis, it's like parents are just expected to learn this whole new language overnight. And it's so true. I even talked about that a little bit last week on the IEP episode that it's like all of a sudden there's all these like terms and verbiage that people around you and professionals are using 
and it's just like flying out of their mouths. Like it's, you know, the most common thing in the world, but you as, as you know, this parent on this new path are like your head is spinning to have to figure out all this, all this stuff that's being thrown at you. So I just love the way Haley articulated that. And there was just so many, so many things in this conversation that I feel are so relatable and they have a really unique journey because her son, Charlie is hyperlexic and he's twice exceptional. He is extremely bright. She talks about that on the show and how, you know, sometimes that can be even more of a challenge because they definitely did get differing opinions for sure when they were kind of in what she called the discovery phase, which I thought was a good way to put that too. So it was just a really great conversation and I love chatting with Haley. So I'm going to stop yapping about that and get to the episode. <laughs> so without further ado, here's my conversation with Haley. Hi Haley, welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi Megan, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me. So full disclosure, Haley and I just recorded an episode for her podcast. Haley has an awesome show called No Sex in the Suburbs, which is like the best name ever for a podcast. Um, So we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But if you will kind of take us back to the beginning of your autism journey, you have a a very interesting and unique journey because you were telling me like you lived in Dubai. You guys have been all over the place. But if you'll take us back to the beginning, I would love to hear. Yeah, for sure. And thank you for saying you like um, My husband wasn't necessarily thrilled with it. But actually, I had the idea with that name for a blog, like, years before I met him. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll, but we'll talk about um, my autism journey. So I have a now five-year-old um, son who's autistic, and I have a three-year-old neurotypical. So, and they're both boys. Um, so pregnancy was totally normal. Um, he was like 10 days late. Actually we were induced. Um, and my labor pattern, they said, you know, wasn't, didn't really get, get on track or whatever, but like he came, it was a regular delivery. Um, everything was fine. He was hitting all of his milestones, but around one, just like you said, um, in our podcast that we just recorded, my little like mommy radar was like, Hmm, is this like, you know, I had a, my boss in Dubai, we were in Dubai at the time, um, had a kid that was the same age and he could say all these words, you know, between one and two. And I was like, gosh, my kid just isn't saying anything. Um, I think I wrote in my journal, he maybe said like mama, you know, once and I thought it was just kind of babbling, um, at like 10 months, but around, I would say between one and 18 months was when I was kind of like, um, I kind of think something's up. And, um, you know, my coworkers were extremely dismissive of it, who, you know, they also had kids. Oh, don't worry about it. My boss was extremely dismissive. Um, not that like their opinion necessarily matters, but you know, at the time it was like, eh, um, that's who you kind of talk to about these things. Um, my first kid, I didn't know any better. Um, we also had a nanny and the nanny had her own kids and she was just like, look, you know, he's not talking, but he's extremely smart. So we always knew that he was extremely smart. He wouldn't talk, but he would point. Um, and he knew all of his shapes and all of his letters and all of his numbers by 18 months, like for sure, like without a doubt. Um, I remember when we got home, um, there was a kid that was a couple years older and she couldn't like find the number eight on my cell phone, you know, and she, as the, the mom of this girl was like, did you like work on that with your son? And I was like, no. Um, <laughs> but at this time, my kid had like no words, basically. Um, so, you know, I talked to the pediatrician around 18 months. She's like, you know, it's really trendy to like identify a language delay. And, you know, he seems like he's got a good eye contact. So don't worry about it. Um, but then it was coming up on him being two and having no words. And we were in Dubai and we were going to fly back to America to have the baby, the second baby. Um, And so I put, um, I signed up for like speech evaluation or whatever back in California where we're from. And I'm like hugely pregnant at this point. And um, so the speech pathologist did her little analysis or whatever and said, I think your kid is definitely autistic and probably mentally retarded. (gasps) Um, yeah. And I'm like, seriously, 39 weeks at this point, like, or like 38. Um, so I held it together and got in the car and just like lost it. Bawling, bawling, bawling. Oh, wait, uh, before this, I would like to also add, um, when we were still in Dubai, I remember asking the doctor and my husband was there, 
you know, my kid's not speaking. Is this a thing? And they literally both laughed at me and called me the crazy hormonal pregnant lady. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So fast forward to my son is two. We have this initial consultation. And I guess what he did was like, he had like a sippy cup and instead of taking the lid off, he like went to chew it. And that was like her thing that like, wow, he must be mentally retarded because he's so, so like slow that he doesn't know he has to take the lid off or I'm not really sure what happened. And then she later like recanted that she thought he was autistic, but here's what for everybody listening that might be like new on the path, like a speech language pathologist actually doesn't have the power to diagnose. Oh no. So what she did was like highly unethical. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a super like t- mean and terrible thing to do to someone who's extremely pregnant. And, and I just remember falling and being like, I don't want this kid. Like, I don't want this second kid. Like, oh my God, something's wrong. My kid, my existing two-year-old son has a problem. I need to dedicate all my resources to him. I don't, I don't want this kid. Like, but you know, I'm out to here. I can't get rid of him now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's coming any day now. Um, so it was, it was really tough. And so the other thing, um, so, okay. So she thought he was autistic, but then she said he wasn't autistic, but what I knew was that he was not speaking. Um, and at this time I also have like a newborn now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did speech with her for a while, but like my stomach would hurt when I would take him. Um, and I saw him like collapse in her arms and like, I Googled it. And like, when you push a kid too far, that's like what they do, like a dog, like submitting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this is just terrible. Like we can't do this. Stop. Um, so I called the regional center and the regional center, um, came out and they did a full analysis. You know, they do like a global, they test everything, not just speech. Um, because all his other milestones he was hitting, um, but they died or their assessment was that he had delays in every single area except for gross motor, including cognitive. And I totally disagreed with that. I was like, no, my kids is like, a genius like I thought like I and maybe it was like my firstborn or whatever but like I think he's really smart mm-hmm. um, because like I said he could point to all these things and he knew like all these things and at this time I don't know if it was at this time but it might have been slightly after like I mean he could play twinkle twinkle little star on the piano mm-hmm. before he could talk so this is a kid that has some gifts um, and so they were like we prescribe you know ABA And I was like, well, what is ABA? And the caseworker couldn't really tell me what it was. So I went to Google and um, I saw a lot of autistic adults saying that ABA is like abusive and torturous. And, um, you know, they tell you quiet hands and they, you know, and also like the guy who started ABA also like founded gay conversion therapy. Um, And so that's not cool. And I was just like, "Ah, I can't do this right now. Um, And I have, I have a friend like, and that's the other thing is like, the thing that's so hard about autism and the diagnosis period and the discovery period is like all of a sudden, like you need to be fluent in a foreign language and like every second counts basically of like, you know, the longer I wait, I'm, you know, delaying, maybe I'm not getting my kid the treatment that he needs. I need to know, like, I need to like suddenly absorb like all of everything about, you know, autism, Mm -hmm. um, which is really difficult. So I said, Oh, and so I had a friend that was, um, her kid was older and he was on the autism spectrum. She, she was like kind of a friend of a friend, to be honest. Um, but she was like, we turned down ABA because I feel like it was just like, like training a dog. Like you do this, this, this. Now, fast forward. Now my son's five and we are doing ABA and I'll kind of get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time I turned it down. So we were, so then we found another speech place. We're just doing speech, but I have this newborn and we're supposed to go back to Dubai. So at this time mm-hmm. I am a global media director. Um, and my, my client was Emirates Airlines. So like I was at like, I don't know if you know, or anybody knows Emirates Airlines, but they're a huge Middle Eastern airline headquartered in Dubai. Um, And they fly to Chicago, they fly to LA, they have, you know, tons of flights. I mean, now with COVID, I'm not really sure what they're doing, but it was a big, intense job. Mm -hmm. And I'm meant to go back. Like I carved out like all my maternity and vacation time that I saved to go home and have the kid in America because we wanted to have the kid in America. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm supposed to come back. And so I you know, call my boss and I'm like, okay, so my kid might be autistic. (laughs) Like he's not speaking (laughs) and it actually has nothing to do with the newborn. Like the newborn is like pretty handled, but I'm, I'm not coming back. I'm sorry. And he was like, you know, uh, he's a parent, like, you know, he's like, you got to do what you got to do, you know, but like, you know, my boss before he left, literally he was, I stayed so long um, that 
I had to take blood thinners because it's a 17 hour flight. <gasps> yeah. From, um, from Dubai to Los Angeles, which is mm-hmm. the closest airport to, to us. Um, I had like, so my boss literally had to like shoot blood thinners in my arm before I left to get on the plane. Like I worked up to like the moment that I like left for the airport. Um, which was kind of crazy, but like, I really liked the job and it was fun. And my career was very important to me. Um, but literally I'm like leaving out the door. He's like, make sure you come back. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. I will. Um, and then, yeah. So totally not related to the newborn. I have this situation. And um, so I pulled the plug on Dubai and um, then we put my son in speech and he was, ma- and then he was making progress. And so this is, you know, from two to two and a half. Um, and at two and a half, and I just, I remember like my dad, like, you know, kind of like closing the, like kind of trapping me between like the door of my front door and him and saying like, your kid is not normal. Like you need to do something about this. And I'm like, well, we are doing something about it. Like we're doing speech, like what the hell, you know? And by the way, get out of my house. Um, so this it was a really, I'm... this was my dad. Yeah. Wow. And like, he, he meant it in a loving way, but like, you know, he, my son would, you know, was very fascinated with turning off and on the lights. Like he would fixate about turning off and on the lights. He um, was really into, you know, spinning like, so a top, like a top that spins yeah. or wheels, you know, he did, he did, a, he did some of those autistic things, but he also did a lot of non-autistic things too. And the other thing is that when we, we lived in Dubai, I was working full-time, my husband was working full-time and we had a nanny. And so rather than put him in, so we had him in daycare, but then he started getting sick a lot. So we pulled him out um, and he really loved the nanny. Um, but he was like, we lived on the 22nd floor of this like super high rise. And I would describe Dubai, if you've never been there, as like a very sterile environment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, many months out of the year that you really can't go outside, like, especially if you're little, cause it's so hot. Um, so like they have grass and they have parks and stuff, but like most of the time it's inside and you do like soft play area inside and, um, going to the beach with the baby is like, you know, kind of a pain and blah, blah, blah. So, um, part of it was, we were like, well, is it just cause he's been like in this high rise apartment for kind of a year? Um, or, and he wasn't like getting exposed to other kids. Cause the other thing is when you move there as an expat, I mean, we had like three friends. Right. Mm -hmm. So like the typical, like, you know, suburban village where you've just got a bunch of kids like, no, it's not like that um, really at all. So, so, you know, we're like, okay, well, we're going to put him in school and blah, blah, blah. And then we took him um, to a neurologist at two and a half. And the neurologist said, oh, no, he's not autistic. He's um, he's got ADD and OCD and, you know, he's got a speech delay, but don't worry, like, you know, he'll start talking and he'll never shut up. And he's extremely smart and he's probably going to be a trauma surgeon because he can <laughs> hyper focus on something and whatever. And so we're like, OK, I mean, like and we just went to the, the neurologist because that's the top of the food chain. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, OK, I mean, like I should just clearly go to the top of the food chain. Like why mess around with like anybody else? Um, so I was like, okay, great. Well, I'm going to go back to work. (laughs) And so I went, I went back to work. Um, I got a job with, um, one of the big tech companies that I'm sure, you know, and maybe love, maybe hate. Um, but I was flying up to their headquarters in Silicon Valley every week. I also had an office, um, in LA. So I was driving into LA. I mean, it was, it was another big job. And, Mm -hmm. um, about a year later, the head of the preschool. So my son had been in re- regular preschool. So part of the thing, we we're like, okay, we're going to get him speech therapy. We messed around with OT, but like, it was kind of pointless. Like, I remember we put him in OT and then my son climbed this like really tall rock wall. And I was like, okay, well, we quit <laughs> because like, I don't need to be spending 20 bucks a week copay on this. Um, and so he was in mainstream preschool and the head of the preschool called me and she said, look, I think it's clear that his brain is just not developing normally. And I think you need to go to the school district at this point. So I said, fine, went to the school district. They did a really thorough analysis and I actually like really agreed with the findings and mm-hmm. their, their findings was that he qualifies for services under autism in a mainstream environment. And um, at that point I quit my job, like, like was like, okay. And I like, I kind of knew like, a, you know, cause there's a, you do the evaluation and then you wait and get the results or whatever. And so I had talked to my husband about like, I mean, I would have never gone back to work in the first place if it, if I had thought he had autism and, you know, there's just, so our discovery phase was like kind of years. Yeah. Like maybe was sort of my fault. I just, I don't really know, like, because maybe I declined the regional center that I like, 
I'm not really sure what all happened there, but it was a bust. And um, so, yeah, so that, that's that. Yeah. I, I think that's really interesting. And also something that I'm sure people listening to can relate because you and I talked about this a little bit on your show, but I always say like, I never judge the path that someone's on and like where they're at on that point, because I really think we're all just doing the best that we can. And especially in the early days, like it's just, you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're really just doing what you, what you feel is best for your child. And like you said, you know, you might look back now and be like, Oh, maybe I would have done things differently, but you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's like, this is kind of where you're at now. And to me, the important thing is just like, okay, so then how do you move forward? Yeah. So I didn't, I actually don't regret turning down ABA because I think that he didn't have bad behavior. And I think that he's such a uber good, sweet natured, compliant kid that I'm afraid it would have just kind of stressed him out too much. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I like, I don't know. I'm kind of glad with the choices that I made. I guess I probably wouldn't have gone back to work or whatever, but um, yeah. So we are now, where are we now? Um, So now he's in TK. He goes to um, a mainstream um, TK, but he also gets services from the school district for speech and um, social tutoring. Um, it's called IBI and actually I'm finding that I have a huge problem with it. Um, so I'm actually doing something kind of sneaky. I don't know if I should like say this, but he goes to, well, I guess it's fine. Um, he goes to private TK three days a week. He also goes to public free school two days a week because he has to be enrolled in public school to get the services. And I, I wanted to Mm. use this kind of year of TK to like see, try on both the private school scenario and the public school scenario. Um, and so we also have a shadow through it, which is basically ABA in the private school. And that's amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, if you are on the cusp of, if you need it or whatever, because that person through insurance, like basically reports to you. Um, she calls me at the end of every class and we have like a 10 minute debrief about how it went. Yeah. That's, and that's at the private yes. school. And so that's privately funded through insurance. And then the public school, he gets, speech which is a group class and like so that was another I mean that was part of the reason why I quit is like just driving him to all these things um so he gets private speech which is a group thing through the I'm sorry he gets speech which is a group thing through the public school and then he goes to mainstream preschool and he has what's called an IBI tutor for like 30 minutes out of the you know two and a half hours or whatever and at, at recess what they're supposed to do is help social facilitation basically um and initiation so like his goals are like initiating play and making like on comment on topic comments of like you know someone's like oh I went to Hawaii last weekend or whatever you know and then my son goes I love the beach or you know like something like a conversational (laughs) skill those are his goals um but recently something happened with the tutor um where I didn't really know what happened um and we were scooting down to school because we can walk, we can scoot there, walk there, whatever. Um, and he starts crying. I don't want to go. I want to be homeschooled. I think school is scary. I think the teachers are scary. And I'm like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I asked the teacher, like, what happened? She's like, I don't know. But the IBI tutor did happen. But I am not allowed to talk to the IBI tutor because of the rules of the school district. So I have to go to the head of the autism specialist person who takes like three weeks to get back to me and I call for an IEP addendum and she doesn't even show up. Um, because at this point I I just want to know what happened. Like, did she make my son cry? Like something like now my son is afraid of school. Like, and this is a super compliant, sweet kid. Mm -hmm. Um, so she doesn't even show up to the IEP meeting, IEP addendum meeting. And so the rest of us, like the speech pathologist, and then like, I I don't know if it's her boss or like the caseworker or whatever, like we all, are kind of like, well, I guess we don't really need to tweak his services because we don't know what happened, blah, blah, blah. So finally, I get a hold of her and she can't really give me the details of what happened. But she does tell me that they've been switching out the tutors, like because of COVID. So if one of them has to quarantine because they had close contact, like they'll sub in. So I had no idea that my son was getting like a dip, you know, there's like six available tutors and they're basically round robining of whoever can go at the time of his recess. Um, which I think is incredibly not strategic. Like it's really done move if you're trying to teach social, social skills that you want to like, build rapport with one person. Um, and then on 
how it works is that if we issue a command, like they must comply and we will basically ride their ass until they comply. And I'm like, well, what if they say they don't want to? And she's like, well, that doesn't matter. And so I'm like, so consent doesn't matter. Like, because you're autistic, you don't get to have consent. And she's like, well, you know, anytime we wanted them to do a non-preferred activity, they would just say they don't want to. And then we couldn't get anywhere with them, which like I get to a certain extent, but I also feel like that's just setting them up for like abuse and trauma. And like, you know, like you need to be able to say no and mean no in this world. Mm -hmm. It's like, would you do that to a little girl? You know, like it's just anyway. So I'm debating if I'm going to like decline that service if I'm gonna like sue the school district I don't know what I'm gonna do Mm. (laughs) yeah wow yeah so that's what I'm dealing dealing with right now oh my gosh well I'm I know a lot of people listening are maybe can't relate to that particular situation and I'm sorry you're dealing with that but I think unfortunately it's so common to you know have issues within the school system and I don't think what you're doing is sneaky at all by kind of trying on, you know, the, the private and public school. I actually think it's smart and resourceful because <laughs> that way you can kind of see, you know, what works best for you before he starts kindergarten, I'm assuming in the fall. Yeah. So that's another thing that I probably should have said earlier. So my son is hyperlexic, which means that he knew all of his letters and numbers by 18 months. He taught himself to read by three Um, he is a really good writer, like, I mean, penmanship on a whiteboard, not with a crayon because he's got some vestibular feedback issues, but I mean, he can do like old English font and he's extremely visual. He'll write like the Candyland logo and put a little TM with a circle, like, you know, like the registered Mm -hmm. trademark, like things that you just wouldn't even notice. So we've been to the neuro, so, oh, we did get him. We went to another neurologist the year later at the same time as the um, school psychologist. And that's when he was kind of formally diagnosed. And she also diagnosed him with hyperlexia. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said, look, school is going to be really hard for him or for you guys to find a spot for him because in some ways he's off the charts. Like Mm -hmm. um, he's very gifted academically, but in some ways, like socially, he's like, you know, not even on the charts behind Mm -hmm. the charts. Um, so to find a fit for him is, is going to be tough. And I mean, I can tell you that we're applying to five different kindergartens. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the private school, I don't know if they are going to, so he, 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 they will accept a shadow. So we've applied to two private because the the private school thing with the shadow seems like a good answer because the class sizes are small and like she reports to us. Whereas the public schools and the charter schools, they follow the IEP. So you mm-hmm. don't have as much control, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we are kind of dealing with where what we're doing for kindergarten coming up. I think that's huge. And I, I know, I mean, I remember when, when we were figuring all that out, we, I probably toured probably close to five. I can't remember exactly. Um, but I, I was really kind of, like kind of like you just like leaving no stone unturned to figure out the the best route for Logan and I talk to parents all the time who are like in that kindergarten transition and I know how scary it can be um but that's always my advice is just figure out like look at all of your options weigh out all the pros and cons because I just think you as his mother and you know with the help of your partner if there is one know your child best and you know what environment is going to be best for them. And I just think it's so important to, like I said, get all your facts and do your research, but just follow your gut on that kind of stuff. And it sounds like, you know, especially for you kind of testing out the the private school and the public school, I think you'll, you'll be ready to make that decision. Like when the time comes. Yeah. Thank you. Well, so we're in the application process right now. So we also have to find out like where he gets, where all he gets accepted. Yeah. Actually today, this afternoon, we're going to like a private school assessment, Mm -hmm. which I'm kind of nervous about. Um, Although usually the thing is one-on-one, he does really well. Um, Mm. But having a, like having a twice exceptional kid is a challenge for the school too. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, a lot, even like I called like the most expensive, supposedly academically best private school in our county. And they were like, look, we're just not going to teach at like, you know, a couple grade levels above. Like mm-hmm. it's just, that's just not going to happen. Um, so anyway, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I do. I, I hope that 
I hope that the answers present themselves out in the next couple months. Yeah, I hope that for you too. I think that, you know, that's, that's what's so interesting about autism. And you and I talked about this a little bit on your show is that, you know, there, the spectrum is so wide and so varied. And I think a lot of times there's this perception of, you know, kids that if they're really smart, it's like, they can't be autistic when really, I feel like those two things like go hand in hand. (laughs) And I have a friend who is kind of dealing with that here they're they're in a public school and her son he's not formally diagnosed yet they're kind of seeking that now but they're having a really hard time just getting him the support he needs in his public school because he is really smart and academically he really doesn't have any challenges but in terms of like socially and for him he does have some more behavioral issues and just there's there's other things happening that you know just because they can perform academically doesn't mean they they don't need support in other areas and that's one place that i i really hope you know the school system can kind of catch up to is that autism looks so different and every individual on the spectrum is so different and the most important thing is really just meeting them where they're at yeah i totally agree um i don't know if you or any of your readers have read the book neurotribes um, but it basically talks about how autism has been around for forever. And there are so many people that were probably definitely autistic, you know, even though they didn't have mm-hmm. the diagnosis back then, but like scientists and like, you know, some guy, like, I forget, isolated some atom or something and, but like, didn't turn in the paper. So like somebody else like got <laughs> credit for it or whatever. And this guy like ate only like a, like leg of lamb, like every single night. And like, even if he was going to have like distinguished guests over there, he was like, well, make two lambs or whatever. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like it, it is, it is the whole person. And that's another thing that I'm struggling with is that these schools are like oh well that's great that he's gifted academically but we're gonna you know try to stretch him socially but then they're like not trained in that you know Mm -hmm. and then like I uh, was saying earlier um the idea that we're in a world of pcs and like my son is a mac like it's a different operating system so using the same commands that would work on a pc are just not going to work on a mac like it, it just requires a different mindset to understand that operating system and um that's another thing that's tough is like I feel like I feel like they're not trained in that, you know, and, 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 and it's another thing I would like to explain it is it's not that my son can't learn it. It's just like that there's a blind spot. Like um, in, in my show, I use the example of he saw this kid and he likes his scooter, but instead of going up and saying like, Hey, I like your scooter. That's cool. He went down to the scooter and like started talking to the scooter, you know, and the kid <laughs> is like, Whoa, who are you? Like, what are you doing? Leave my scooter alone. Like, this is my personal space, you know? And it was like heartbreaking as a mom to see, like, I was happy that he was interacting with another kid and trying to initiate, but like the way that he tried to do it was like so wrong and awkward. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, we need help with that. And that's yeah. what we're really in a- ABA for now. Yeah. So tell me, how did you come to that decision then to, to give ABA a try? So, um, the school had asked for a shadow. Um, and I also talked to a lot of moms, you know, um, this one mom really recommended this ABA particular ABA company. Um, and I just was really like, I had to meet the tech you know, cause there's the BCBA and then there's the mm-hmm. tech. I had to meet the tech and decide that like, that's kind of her energy um, is a good fit for my son. And then I'm really uptight about the goals that like, you know, they told me that they have an eye contact goal. And I was like, no, 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 scratch that one. Like, because I think that that is too much for him. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. he needs that, you know? Um, but ABA is really the only company that can supply or the only kind of therapy, I guess, that can supply a shadow in mm-hmm. there. Um like, so the, that's what we went with. I mean, her job, she teaches him how to initiate conversations. And, um, you know, so it'll be like, okay, like you have to go sit next to three friends and ask them like, you know, a question each or whatever. And then you can go draw on your whiteboard. Um, and the idea of teaching him how to do stuff and then like fading the prompt, um, like the, a, a good way to explain it is like, if you're in a typical school, the like the goal is to like make the craft right like you want to get out there with like your glittery butterfly or whatever you're supposed to be making Mm -hmm. but for these kids the goal is about 
you know, all the social stuff that comes with making the craft, like who mm-hmm. cares about the actual craft? Um, so for that, for that's how I kind of decided to go for it. Um, and then she comes, oh, so the other thing is that we've got this neurotypical three-year-old and he's kind of an a-hole. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like a normal, so my son, like he never would say no. First of all, he couldn't say no in, like in the terrible twos. And then he just never did. He's very compliant. He's very sweet. Um, and he just kind of does what everybody, everybody wants, which is amazing for his little brother. Cause his little brother can like, you know, has him wrapped around his finger and he will like do anything, even like kind of manipulatively. Um, <laughs> and I also think that my son's an empath. So only recently I have started to figure this out. I have a theory that like a lot of autistic people are empaths, um, but they can't like express it necessarily. So when my son, my, my neurotypical baby would cry um, or like, or throw a tantrum or whatever, my older son, Charlie would become really upset, you know, and like, mm-hmm. even like tried to try to hit his head with his hand, you know, um, like didn't know how to deal with it. So I've been teaching him to like walk away, but finally he's been able to say like, not only does the sound bother me, but like, I feel it when AJ is upset. Mm-hmm. Like I feel it. Um, and so the ABA therapist is there to help him kind of cope with when, when AJ is a brat, like how to, how to emotionally regulate and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we're working on, on that too. So that's what we do kind of at home. Yeah. I I think I'm glad that you, that you shared that because I, I do think there, there's a lot of, you know, chatter about ABA and I, I wouldn't, you know, dismiss anyone's opinion. And if it's not right for your child, then that's it, you know, but I think there is a lot more than just what kind of is on the surface. And like you and I were talking about beforehand, like ABA, even though we're taking a break from it now has really helped my son in so many ways, ways that I couldn't have anticipated at the start of our journey. And like you said, you know, what he's working with now is it's really more about the social skills. And I think it's really important for parents to hear that, especially if they maybe are nervous about starting ABA is that, like you said, if there's a goal that you're not happy with, and this is something I say a lot, but like you as the parent are the one who is steering the ship. And if you don't agree with something or you don't feel comfortable with it, it's really your choice. It's, it's not anybody else's that, you know, they, they are going to like make your child do something. And like I had said to you there, thankfully we had a really good experience. There was maybe only a couple times where I didn't agree with a goal or like a certain action. And for us, it was scrapped immediately. But like you had said too, it's so much about the people and the company and who you're working with and just kind of their whole vibe. And do you vibe with them? I think that's so important. And I love what you said about your son being an empath and that you think a lot of people on the spectrum are empaths because I totally agree. And that's absolutely how Logan is. And he's always been that way since he was a baby. And I think that, again, it just kind of goes back to there's so many like misconceptions about autism and people saying like, oh, people with autism, like, you know, can't show their emotions or whatever. And it's like so laughable at this point because we have so many people who can prove it wrong. But again, it just because it looks a little different from from person to person, it's it's just hard to see sometimes. Yeah, well, that was one of the things that we were like, well, he can't be autistic because he has empathy. Like we knew he had empathy. One time my husband and I got in this big fight and he ran over and gave me a huge hug. Mm -hmm. Like at this point, you know, he couldn't talk, but he knew, you know. Um, And so that was the thing that we're like, well, this can't be. But I think actually that in fact, autistic people can be really empathetic and it's just uh, how they can express it or whatever. Um, But it's interesting, like ABA, I'm on a bunch of Facebook groups. I'm on hyperlexia groups and autism inclusion groups. And I mean, they have rules. Like you can't even talk about ABA on the, on the page or like the admin will delete you. Mm. Um, Yeah. Which is really interesting. And so the BCBA after like, you know, Friday night scrolling through these groups, I email her. I'm like, uh, can we just like have a chat, like a conceptual chat about ABA and stuff? Cause clearly this is her career. So she's obviously got some opinions about it, which we haven't actually had a chance to do yet, but we are going to do it. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, again, I mean, I always talk about communication with the team, meaning like, you know, school at home, like what, whoever is you're working with, I think communication is key to really any relationship, but especially with the people that are working with your children. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we were in ABA, we had 
I mean, I would have many private conversations with his BCBA, but we also would have a, a team meeting like every six to eight weeks. And because Logan had two therapists that he worked with and then his BCBA. And so there would be like, you know, every few weeks we would all sit down as a team and just discuss what was working, what isn't working, what what goals are we getting close to achieving? What goals do we maybe want to change? And I think that is so important because then if there was ever an issue we were all able to come together and just kind of talk about it. And I never felt like I was like being pulled in any certain direction because we, we had these meetings and the communication was really open. And again, like I said, I think in any relationship communication is important, but especially with someone working with your kid. Can I ask you something? Do you feel like that you are equally in control of your private insurance funded scenarios versus your co-op school IEP scenarios? Personally, yes. I, I, like I said, we're taking a break now from ABA, but I, I did the whole time. See, I feel like my privately funded insurance endeavors, I have way more control over because they like report to me versus like the IEP public school situation. I have way less because I have to like chase people down and they don't show up and we're one of a thousand, you know, et cetera. Um, I should also add, we're doing OT through um, private insurance and she's amazing because so he has like, you kind of have to dig to see his issues with that. Like would you would need OT for Mm -hmm. like, cause he's really, so he didn't qualify for OT at all with the school district because he's got such good handwriting. Um, But he's fairly uncoordinated he doesn't have a ton of core strength um, and self-help skills, you know, do require to be like kind of broken down, you know, like mm-hmm. wiping your bum. Like we have like a written steps routine, you know, and like how hard to push to like, you know, wipe properly mm-hmm. um, is something like we work on doing a zipper, like all those things. Yeah. Things that regular kids, like you said, learn through osmosis, you know, um, and doing it thoroughly. Like yeah. he'll wash his hands, but I'm like, dude, scrub that marker off your hands. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. OT, so, yeah. OT is amazing. And I think kind of like you said, it, it doesn't uh, on the surface, it's kind of like, well, what is OT doing? But it really is kind of doing a lot of that sort of behind the scenes stuff and like set planting the seeds for all those things that are going to help later. The thing that's so hard, I think, is that it really is dependent on the company and the, and the tech. Yeah. Like really. And so you, it's like finding a mental health therapist. Like I was, you just got to find one that till it clicks. I was literally just going to say that it's, it really, it's the equivalent of, you know, when you go to a therapist and you are, you, you have to have that vibe. You have to have that, that openness and that acceptance and it has to come from both parties. Yeah. And I think that's part of another part of the reason why I just got off on such a wrong foot by having that original speech language pathologist tell me that my kid was autistic and mentally retarded. And then later she was like, Oh no, he's not autistic. He's way too smart. My, oh my gosh. Yeah, that definitely. And unfortunately I think we all have our version of that story where somebody, you know, it was like a knife to the gut kind of a thing. No one ever told me that Logan was mentally retarded, but I had a very similar conversation. This was back in the very early days of preschool before Logan was diagnosed. And I had his, the speech therapist at the school said, that he thought Logan was autistic and it was like, I've said it before, but I, I felt like he could like see into my soul at that moment. And it was, <laughs> it was a, it was a very like sobering moment for me. Um, but here's the thing. If we had had as a general population, more awareness about what autism is, when someone dropped that on you, it wouldn't have been the bomb that it was. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that that is, is so important for, for parents now. And that's why I think, you know, like we had said on your show, like just having these conversations and opening that dialogue just for understanding is, is so helpful. Um, and I think we're getting there. It's just gonna, you know, take some time. Yeah. So anyway, so I quit my job, you know, trying to quarterback this situation. Fast forward a year later, I started listening to special needs mom, uh, special needs podcasts and all sorts of podcasts. You know, what else are you supposed to do while you're driving around doing this stuff? (laughs) Um, and one of them was yours. And one of them was mama bear, which is an amazing special needs podcast. Um, I mean, you know, it, you know, Mary Susan McConnell Mm -hmm. and, um, she basically made me kind of get my head out of my ass because I was like, Oh my God, like this girl's kid has like a, 
feeding tube and a sparkly wheelchair and she like started a business and got her doctorate and like wow like wow Haley um so she started doing these like mama bear intensives um because I I can't have a real job now like I couldn't have a like regular corporate nine to five certainly not a global role which was my previous roles were global so like you know you're dealing with all the time zones and you're traveling all over like I was supposed to be in like Mexico City and Singapore and like Nashville in like 10 days (laughs) like that was like a thing um so you can't do that um but so I was talking to her I was like look I want to do something you know she's like well you should do a marketing uh course like everyone would buy it I was like "Eh." and we were talking about it and then at the very end, I was like, you know, I have this idea for this podcast. It's called No Sex in the Suburbs. And she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> stop what you're, that's hilarious. Like, stop what you're doing and just do that. Um, so, so yeah, this is my stay-at-home mom project. I love it. Yeah, I always call the podcast my passion project. And, you know, it's it's something for me. It just kind of, it's it's something for me to work on that's just mine. It's For me, it's very therapeutic because I get to have these conversations that I think are People always tell me, oh, listening to the podcast is my therapy. And I'm like, it's mine too. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. I I get just as much out of it. And I love what you're doing. Talk about the concept a little bit, because I think it is so needed in that, you know, you are using your platform to, to talk about autism, but you really are, are targeting neurotypical parents. And so the conversation is just so varied. How did you come up with the concept? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I had the concept a long time ago and it was actually meant to be a blog, but um, just the idea that like you, when you were younger, you were living your kind of Carrie Bradshaw best life and you had this career and you had these friends and then you met your big love and you know, you married him and like surprise, it's not a closet full of couture. You probably (laughs) end up in the suburbs and um, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge. You've got a husband, you've got a mortgage, you've got kids with various things going on. Um, and I think I, I felt like I wanted to do a like mom lifestyle, uh, kind of theme because issues of identity and, you know, being a stay-at-home mom and like not necessarily feeling fulfilled all the time because of that, or like when you're the breadwinner and what kind of pressure that puts on your relationship and what kind of cards you hold or, um, being a good friend to an autism mom, mm-hmm. using my platform as a beacon for the special needs community to speak, to reach out to the neurotypical neurotypical community uh, just to have some awareness um I I wanted to do that too so it's it's really like mom mom lifestyle mom identity issues it's about um just things that you would talk to your good girlfriends about maybe after like a glass of wine except bringing them you know it's not like a traditional mom show which is like we're gonna talk about you know crafting and baking and like no 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 not that um (laughs) kind of all the 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 mom identity stuff is really how I position it. And I just talk about things that I think people might be struggling with or things that I want to share awareness on. Like I'll be doing one about losing your sex drive when, um, as a side effect to the global pandemic, I'm going to be interviewing someone coming up. Um, I also did one about romance in the time of COVID, like carving time out for that. Um, so yeah, it's about all those things. I love that. And I really feel like it's, it's so needed. And I mean, really, I think any mom can benefit from listening to that. Um, and thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited for, for that. And I think we had an awesome conversation on, on your show. And then here, can you share where people can find your podcast and connect with you? Yeah, definitely. So my podcast is No Sex in the Suburbs. It's available pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, and I'm on Instagram at No Sex in the Suburbs and also on Facebook. And I have a email address that's No Sex in the Suburbs podcast at Gmail if you don't like social media. And yeah, I would love to hear from anybody. Anybody who's got any themes, anybody wants to be on the show. I'm all about it. I love that. Well, Haley, thank you so much for, for taking the time. I had such a great time chatting with you. I mean, we've been talking for a while now because we did our shows <laughs> back to back and it was just so great to chat with you. Yeah. Same to you. And I love your podcast and it is also like a therapy for me too. I totally, I love hearing people's diagnosis. You know, when you're listening, you're like, yes, I was like that. No, it was like this. Yes. No. <laughs> you know, um, I think what you're doing is amazing. Aww, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I agree. I think even though our stories are so different, there's like relatable moments from every person I talk to and it's just so validating to hear. It totally is. All right. Well, you take care. Thank you. Have a great one. Okay. Bye. 
For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT. And I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like Something Borrowed or Something Blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Haley. Isn't she just great? Like I said, I just felt like we were like two old friends by the end of this, and I'm so glad that her and I connected. I I always marvel at what a small world it is. And it's amazing how, you know, there's there's people out there that you don't even know or you meet online and it's like you can form such such an amazing friendship with them, even if it's just over the internet. I have so many of you who I have connected with, whether you've been a guest on the show or you're a listener. I am just so thankful for these relationships. It really just, it means so much. And I think it makes the biggest difference on this journey is just, you know, having that sense of community and people in your corner. It is everything to me, truly. So on that note, if you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod or on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism at 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I always love hearing from you guys. If you have, you know, feedback or a question or just want to share something, if you are enjoying the show and you would be so kind to leave a rating and review over on Apple podcast, that would be amazing. That really does help other people to find the show. And that is all for today. I am super excited about these next few weeks. I have been recording with some amazing guests. I can't even tell you some of these episodes. I am, they're just mind blowing and I'm so excited for you guys to hear them, especially heading into April for Autism Awareness Month. I am just super, I'm super pumped. So again, if you would like to be a guest on the show, the best way to do that would be probably to email me. And if you can give like a little backstory and what you would like to talk about if you were a guest, that would be wonderful. And that is all for now, but until next time, take care.